Hey, I'm Dr. Kate Wong. And I'm Tiara Mitchell. And you are listening to to the Holistic Hope Podcast. We invite you to join us and our village in conversations rooted in wellness and health so that we may grow a community of generational healing through love. Join Dr. Kate and I in this week's episode, episode five of the Holistic Hope Podcast, as we explore why taking a holistic approach to your fertility journey is beneficial as a long-term lifestyle shift to not only cultivate the optimal environment for your pregnancy and labor, but to live a healthy life and motherhood as your baby grows. Be sure to join in the conversations with us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. was reading a book or I started reading a book that was um let's see what's it called it's called how to conceive naturally Mm -hmm. uh for and having a healthy pregnancy after 30 and then I've always known this um in this concept of that there's obviously there's trimesters you know three different parts of the pregnancy but I've always known there's there's preconception version um, in addition to postpartum. It's not just like pregnancy and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so I found it interesting that this book um, talked about the five different trimesters because people are used to trimesters. So it makes sense why she did five. Mm-hmm. And so it's the first trimester is the whole preconception aspect to it. And the fifth trimester is the postpartum post delivery and all that sense. And so that's like the layout of the whole, you know, pregnancy baby aspect, which made really much sense to me. What do you think? I like, I, it does make a lot of sense. Um, the first question that came to my mind though was for the preconception trimester, how is that measured? Cause you know, for some women that could, they could be in that phase for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in this book, she mentioned three plus months. Um, the reason why that is because there's 120 days um, that takes the egg to uh, basically, you know, form from, you know, from where it is to where it's going to be before you uh, ovulate and all these different things. But from my research, um, it's at least six months. Um, that's usually the timing of when it's the research where it says, you know, this is like not proven, but, um, has some sort of research saying it does make an effect. And so for me, I do go off the 120 days, 120 days is that, um, preliminary thing. If you have no issues, no health concerns, nothing, then to start every 120 days, just more like a marker, more as a checkpoint versus I need to be pregnant for this time right can you talk more about that yeah because the 120 days really goes by um, the aspect of blood red blood cells mm-hmm. the red blood cells renew every 120 days so very okay. similarly the the each red blood cell is like a cell in our in our female body so the egg cell is also a cell and so whatever happens in your environment for the red blood cells to happen, um, that interferes also of how that egg basically formulates. If you mm. that. And so the egg is not just the egg. The egg is not just what you're born with. The egg is influenced by the environment that you have. Almost like, you know how when people think of when there's a virus, you study the virus, you study the, 
the, the body, study the thing that got infected. It's for example, um, I don't know if you heard this recently, but um, in regards to dolphins, so there's like a, a, I think it's called school dolphins. I can't remember exactly what a bunch of dolphins <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> but um, basically it's, um, so it's just a school because of fish. I don't know. But um the school of dolphins is basically um when there's a one sick dolphin, what normally happens is people tend to study that dolphin, cut that dolphin open and see what is going on, test it, and all these different things, right? But mm-hmm. other dolphins started getting sick. And the concept is why don't you test the water in where the dolphin is staying and living? to see what's going on with its environment. So very similarly, the egg is not just the egg. The egg is based upon and influenced by the environment because you need the environment to support the food, like like the seed, right, in a soil. The seed doesn't just, you know, come out and that's it. (laughs) You need the the soil, the environment, the pH, the sunshine, um, the air, the water, everything around it. And so... When a lot of people think of, you know, when you do science experiment almost, right? Um, you know, how to put the egg in the cell and the sperm together and put it in and see how it works and what happens, the quality of that. The quality is not just because of the quality that you have in your body. A lot of people kind of forget the fact or don't research enough in that aspect or even know, a lot of doctors don't yeah. know that it's not just if it's a good egg or a bad egg, it's a, the test is a good test or a bad test during that time that they took the test. It's the quality that it was when it's made throughout those 120 days plus. That's amazing. It makes yeah. so much sense too. Um, especially like it was when you were like the egg is a cell. I was like, duh, Tierra, the egg is a cell. <laughs> like, and because we start to think, I know for me, I would think of the egg as just this this magical thing. It was there when I was born. It was just always there. You know, we're taught that women are born with all the eggs they'll ever need in life to reproduce. Um, and especially it's also, it's called a pod of dolphins. I Googled it while you were talking. <laughs> it's a pod of dolphins. Not a school people. Fish. <laughs> like, let's, let's figure this out. But, um, you know, and I liked how you used test the water to see how it affected because the egg is going to be growing in that environment. So I feel like to me, that's like a big revelation. And then that also makes me feel like it's a big key to how, <laughs> and the book you said is called uh, How to Conceive Naturally. So I was just going to say that feels like such a missing key to having a healthy preconception process yeah. because you have to have your environment environment cultivated to care for this egg before mm-hmm. it's even fertilized. And so if you step a little bit deeper into that, um, in that aspect, it's like what's happening in the environment. Like when you talk about Reiki too, mm-hmm. Reiki is more like the energy, like the intention, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. familiar with it. Um, and so Think of when you're conceiving or preconception wise, like how is your environment, your energy, your mindset, everything like that. Because a lot of times when you talk to other um, women or couples who try and conceive, they're like, you know, they need to have a safety net, something that makes them feel safe. Because that's human nature, right? Human nature is based on survival. 
whether okay. you don't feel safe, whether you feel like, you know, am I going to be enough? And that's more like a survival instinct. Like that survival is if I'm not enough, then I shouldn't be producing certain things. Then I'm going to somehow kind of um, work against my body to do this. Creates a certain kind of energy, a certain kind of tension for that environment. And that switches certain things on pH, certain things on what's going on in your body, not providing and supporting what you need, because that, that means it's like part of flight. Protect your own body first before it protects other things in general. Mm-hmm. I think of when, so say the egg and the, there's an embryo basically happening um, after the egg, uh, after the sperm, like, like basically goes through the egg and they, they're like, oh, I'm together. Now they, they basically go down from the fallopian tube um, or wherever they are, and then they implant in that area in the uterus. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when that happens, if your pH, if your environment is not good, it's not like uh, where it wants to be, it's not supported. For this certain amount of time where your hormones are, are basically influenced based on what you're thinking, what you're eating, what you're feeling, all these different things in the environment around you. And basically, when it's, it's not a habitable environment, it just lets go. It's like, this is not safe. I'm going to renew and release and try a different time because this is not the time for me. <sighs> mm-hmm. That so, makes sense, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a mind-blowing thing. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's not just a science. Science is an art. It's, I was going to say, I love it because it's starting to even prove, you know, like we have the biology part of it down. We definitely have the biology part of it down. We understand that, like you just explained how an egg fertilizes, I mean, a sperm fertilizes the egg, how it moves down the tubes and plants into the uterus. It grows for all this time. And I don't feel like we have the emotional mental, even I would dare say spiritual side down. And I like to talk about the spiritual side because like, like when you said the egg is a cell, one of the things that really got me to want to focus on my spiritual health was um, in learning about quantum physics and how, well, even just the basics of physics, cells are mostly energy. Mm -hmm. You know, like what, 99.2? eight percent energy and then the point two percent actual physical matter something like that mm-hmm. i don't know the, the exact numbers that's another thing we can ask our friend google um <laughs> <laughs> i mean but, you know it's a certain thing I and mean, then there's the atoms that make up the cell and like so in the cell there's you know the cell wall the stuff in the cell and all these different things right Mm-hmm. The other I remember how in biology class, like animal cell versus plant cell. Right, like, so are you able to break that down right now? Like, I, I can see the model in my head. We may have to, like, find a model to put up to talk about this. I can see the model in my head. But, you know, as a kid, I think that was the last time I really worked with cells at that level, like, where we were talking about the anatomy of a cell. Mm-hmm. Um and so all, all I remember is coloring in like the membranes and the nucleus and stuff. What is all of that actually made out of? So that, so let's just talk about the outside of the cell. The outside of the cell is the most important in a sense um, because it signals what's going on. So for example, I think we talked about the viruses um, the last talk we had, but basically 
the outside is almost as if it's like arms saying, okay, like what's this signal? It's almost like your senses, your your sight, smell, and all these different things, but on the outside of the cell. And so what happens is it takes in those senses as almost like little Pac-Men. It's like, oh my God, hold this up and see what this is and take it in. Is this something I need? Is that not ready? Let's turn it back out. So it goes through that endoplasmic uh, reticulum. I think I'm saying it wrong because <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it's called. The ER basically goes through all these different things and then becomes a lysosome. Right? You're right. The endoplasmic reticulum. I pulled up the model so I can follow. Perfect. So it goes through certain things, um, takes in, kind of reads it. Do I need it? Do I not need it? And it kind of exits out, exits out the cell. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when it needs it, the information, the RNA, all these different things that goes through, make certain proteins for your cell to um, provide um, certain kind of food, certain kind of support, whatever is going, wherever it's going to signal, then that happens for, provide that energy to do so. So if you think of the outside of the cell, it's made up of glycoproteins, made up of different, like, um, all these different little um, v or Y-shaped thing that kind of signals you what's there, what's on the outside. Is it safe? Is it not safe? Um, so what happens is, for example, the egg and the sperm, they have also the coating on the outside. What happens is if you don't have enough support, enough coating on the outside saying this is good or bad, because the thing is, your body is so smart and so brilliant. It trusts what it needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is if it senses like a, for example, an egg, if it senses a sperm that has, you know, it has a decent, a decent sperm, you know, I could let it in. Right? Once it let, um, basically detects it, it has certain kind of glycoprotein kind of interaction between each cell, and it kind of takes it in. And it, this is so brilliant. This part is when research says um, when the egg notices or detects that the sperm has some kind of damage in their um, DNA, um, the art, all these different things, then it kind of repairs it to kind of work together to become something. So that's kind of how like the, the simpler form of it how it works so it's so important to know how if you're healthy because the thing is um if you think of very simple people look at other women people look at other men um you know are they a good fit for me do they have certain things like you know curves or um are they like you know appealing are they attractive that's a survival aspect right it's because in their in their mind something in their head is saying this person is good because of supposedly reproductive reasons or attractiveness, whatever it is, that makes them mesh to be to basically um, have more babies. <laughs> like that's like the, the the basis of life, right? Survival and then reproduce. <laughs> so that's like the simple purpose of it biologically, but obviously as a human, we have a little bit more of a need versus just the basic survival needs. Because even when you come down to the, the, thank you for all of that. That that was what I was, (laughs) that was what I was kind of hoping for is for the explanation. Because like, even when you use the example of, is this a good sperm to let through? And then the example of the layer on the outside. I remember that as a child. And then listening now to us talk about, the environment and then whether the environment that the egg is in and trusting that it's a safe environment to grow and then 
So even coming down to having to let in, like you said, decent sperm, all of these things, the the cell is protecting, you know, that's what the, the cell membrane is protecting. And so we don't even have to get into the father side right now. If we just focus on the mother and how her making sure her environment is safe. I remember at the start of my second pregnancy, um, we were on, we wanted that baby girl so bad. We wanted a boy, but we wanted a second baby so bad right then. And I was under a lot of stress. I was under a lot of stress about it because I was putting my body under pressure to meet a deadline. I remember that. I remember thinking like we had to be pregnant within the next six months mm-hmm. to meet our timeline for when we wanted to have this baby. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember being under pressure because we had a daughter already, keeping up with that. I was going to work. I was actually working at a fairly new job. And um, my business had been going for, my business had just started picking up. So lots and lots of pressure. And back then, I didn't, I went to church, but I didn't really understand like spiritual wellness, like, and how it tied to my emotional wellness and bled into every other aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. And so and I just think it's so interesting because the minute I became pregnant was when I let go and I stopped stressing out over the timeline. And so I'm really happy that you are presenting us with this information of it was, it's information to me and maybe confirmation for someone else. Someone else may have already heard this totally. Oh, yeah. but, um, but just for those who may not know about it, the important that 120 day period of cultivating an environment for your egg, like that sounds like an awesome challenge period, like 120 day focus of your temple because. That was the best advice I say I ever received around pregnancy. Mm-hmm. When I was pregnant with um, my oldest, my pastor told me that the best thing I could do for me and my baby was to protect my space. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't mean physically. She was like, when you sense that people have the wrong energy, just tune them out for a while. And she was like, I know it sounds really bad, but what's growing inside of you needs all the protection it can get and you don't want energies to affect your baby mm-hmm. and um you can say it's woo-woo if you want but what I can definitely say is with my preg- my first pregnancy I was very mindful of the energy I was around and I was very mindful of how I was responding to things mm-hmm. um keeping my emotions in check and like I remember being very intentional about just keeping a very level, calm, I don't even want to just say happy, but I just wanted to always feel, you know, calm and not stressed out. And with my second daughter, all of that went out the window. Um, (laughs) So much was going on that I forgot about it. Now, with them both here, one six, one three, my first daughter is so chill. Mm-hmm. I I was just telling, I was talking to her dad about it yesterday. She's so chill, especially when you compare her to our second daughter, who 
gets very emotional easily. She's like little things set her off. We've talked about her little OCD tendencies. Um, and I went through a lot with that pregnancy with her. Um, I was under a whole lot of stress with that pregnancy with her. So not saying it's proof, but I, I do feel there is some weight to that because, and that's not the, I'm not the only story I've heard like that. Um, there's many stories about that. Right? Yeah. Is it like, it's like something happened and I feel like this is it. But there's also, actually there's research in regards to that as well. Like how the mom was when they're pregnant. Because there was like a, basically a Rotman study. I just pulled this up. Cool. <laughs> it's a Rotman study that was done in Austria. And they had 141 pregnant women that separated into four different groups. So one was happy, one was unhappy, one was ambivalent. It was like kind of like, you know, doesn't matter. The other one was a cool set of moms. And so they assess different kinds of, um, they assess the babies three months after they're born. And so each of the babies have certain kind of, um, how do you say, temperament uh-huh. based on what happens. So there's, there's peer research, peer, peer survey. And uh-huh. so what happened was, um, the ones that were cool, like, you know, I don't care, like whatever kind of moms, <laughs> you know, um, their babies, when they came out, they were more lethargic. They were more like non-energetic, detached, not really present, slept a lot. Uh, eating was okay. They're growing, but they were kind of checked out and, um, from bonding because yeah. they didn't know what the baby was like, up, you know, we're awake or, you know, doing something, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's hard to like kind of going back, um, kind of seeing what's going on. Cause you kind of, in a sense, what I've heard from a lot of my clients, uh, a lot of stories I've heard that, you know, moms and baby, they kind of play on each other to see how their energy levels are, what they're supposed to do. Cause they kind of, I mean, the mom is there to provide and the baby's supposed to tell them what's going on, communicating mm-hmm. biologically, you know, or sound and certain things. So I found that was very interesting. And the one that were ambivalent, more like uncertainty, mixed feelings kind of moms, um, those moms actually had a lot of babies that had GI distress, like stomach issues, behavioral problems, mm-hmm. higher birth weights, and also, um, what's this thing, that their neurodevelopment was this score and score lower um, because they were just grew up in a very stressful environment. So I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of interesting. And the ones were unhappy, very catastrophic kind of moms, had very unhappy babies. They were low in birth weight. They're usually premature, emotionally troubled, not feeling as well, digestive issues, fussiness, higher postpartum depression as well. And kind of this is kind of, um, you know, you know, kind of makes sense why ideally you want happy moms, happy moms make happy babies. And so that was a study that was done in, in Austria. I like that because I think it's just a good reminder and that who did Makosi say mm-hmm. that she she wanted to make sure that um before she had a baby like her body was ready for it you know she wanted to be there she wanted to be her best self that's what she said before her baby came mm-hmm. and with this 120 day period so even before you enter into that 120 day period maybe that's when moms should start focusing on becoming their best self for their baby because they have to they have to keep the space 
120 days prior to even conceiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I have a five-year plan. <laughs> a five-year plan. <laughs> That's like way more than 120 days. But you know, sometimes you can't control what happens. Yeah. Sometimes the news that you get is so um, not as a whole picture. And you only know so much when you get the news. So it seems like it needs to be hurried. It seems to be, it needs, and it's not, not a lot of time. So then, you know, your body reacts. So say, you know, there was, you know, let, let's not say exactly a cure, but say there's a cure to X, Y, and Z. And then someone told you you have X, Y, and Z. Um, but you don't know what the cure was. But someone else did, but you didn't for the longest time, for like 10 years. So you, you start doing certain things that you can, you think that you have, don't have, have enough time for, but so you kind of have this like rush part of flight kind of stress mode, meaning thinking that you need it to be done because you only had a certain amount of time. But what if there was that answer somewhere else, but no one told you until 10 years later after you've done all that rushing, all that stress, right? Like that is just a mind like boggling thing to think about, <laughs> you know, because we, you know, human beings, you only know so much. Hmm. And it only taken so much. And so it's, it's, it's interesting, right? It's just, oh, it just blows my mind. Yeah. And that's why I'm excited about this being hope for holistic, holistic health fertility, hope for holistic fertility, <laughs> whatever we decide to finally name it. Um, we'll work on the name as we're, as well, we're yeah. <laughs> I, we, it's life. <laughs> holistic hope. Yeah, holistic hope. I think that's what we need. <laughs> holistic hope. I like, but that's why I like it because I think it's easy to get so caught up in again the cure. Um, we kind of touched on the cure when we talked about normal and norm, you know, the normal. But a cure. Getting to the cure is usually, when it's medicine-based, that's what happened. When you said it's medicine-based. Um, the quick solution, it's something like, you know, this is like cure and like, that's it. Like, it doesn't come back, right? And you also said that it can only be done with medicine. Yeah, as in the, um, I, I can't remember which um, organization or which thing said it, but according to, I believe the AMA, I need to Google this, um, uh, something based on if anything is called a cure, it needs to be done with medication. medication. That's the only way it's a cure. And so, and so what I'm trying to get to, and I don't think I'm doing a good job of getting to this, what I'm trying to get to is that, like how you were saying, someone can focus on doing with all these things for 10 years and it not be the actual cure. But what about the process of, because you can give your body the medicine to cure the physical ailment, but if we're going back to our bodies being energy and the energy we're allowing to vibrate through our bodies and if that affects us on a cellular level we're going to be right back in the position we started in before we got the medicine because we haven't actually taken care of the issue yes that's exactly like what I try to um kind of inform my patients 
So it's like, in a sense, like subluxation in the body, um, you know, basically a misalignment of your vertebrae causes a lot of different kinds of things um, that happens, right? And that stress, that subluxation is, is basically caused by emotional, chemical, um, physical stress. So no matter how much I adjust someone, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. for life, because they're constantly being bombarded with all that stress. So imagine, you know, they're continually being bombarded with that. So when is it actually a cure? Because it comes back. It comes back. <laughs> right. Hmm. So then that's another challenge idea. Um, how to practice stress relief, you know, resist healing yourself the stress, pushing stress out. Because I think it's hard to say healing yourself the stress because things are going to keep stressing us out. We have no control over life, really. So things are going to happen and it's all about how we react to it. So just the practice of not causing ourselves additional stress. Yeah, like more on... Um adapting because I noticed the patients that I actually have in regards to chiropractic um, they're able to adapt better um versus before they get adjusted um prior to seeing a chiropractor in general because a lot of times is when you take in something because when you take in something you don't know exactly what to do so you react but if you take in something and you're okay to kind of work through it um kind of analyze it kind of sense like then you have a better way to how to you know, have a better solution to deal with it or to um, mediate it to something else. So it creates less of a tension. So, so for example, when I mentioned, um, I think last time we talked how, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but in general, basically when a cell kind of kind of packs up some kind of virus, some kind of bad cell into its own cell to see exactly what it is, what happens is if the cell keeps that bad thing inside and doesn't get it out, then it's going to harm that cell. And that's exactly what they don't want to do. So it's very smart that there's something called <clears throat> apoptosis, the cell um, destruction on itself, because that's the only way to destroy the thing, right? But what happens is if that cell knows what, what that thing is, that um, they engulf and say, oh, actually, I've had this before. I know it's bad. I'm going to exit that thing out of me and create something like a trash system in our body um, that we have a lot of different, different systems kind of flowing out, kind of created either in our skin, uh, from our skin, or from our feces and certain things like that. That's where the person's healthy because they know exactly what's going on, take it in, they realize it, and they take it as, okay, that's trash, that's what I don't need to deal with, I'm going to throw it away because it's not beneficial for me. So... That was a beautiful explanation. (laughs) No, it made me think of surrendering. Yeah. It made me think of surrendering, realizing, like, I have to, when you said I have to get rid of this, I have to get rid of this thing that's inside me that's making me feel bad. And usually what is making us feel bad is us trying to, again control the outcome the fear we have around something um yeah you know and when we surrender we're saying i don't want that that bad feeling so i'm going to let it come and yeah i'm going to do right 
it's almost like um, when people get robbed. It's the bad bad example. <laughs> when people get robbed, you can't be like. I mean, despite what happens, but people usually tend to surrender, take what you want, and go. So they don't get harmed. So that we can be okay. So I can be okay. Right. And that concludes this week's episode of the Holistic Hope Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We would like to invite you to continue the conversation with us online. Check the show notes to see where you can connect with Dr. Kate, myself, our guests, and the rest of the Holistic Hope community to dive deeper into ways we can create generational healing through love. See you next week. And until then, stay well, friends.